One of the greatest obstacles that exists out in the world for people to come to faith in Jesus, come to a belief in a faith at all, is something that theologians and others have referred to as the problem of evil. The problem of evil. Very simply put, it's why would God allow something bad to happen? All of us have experienced difficult things, every one of us, some more difficult than others. And at different points in our lives, whether we ask that question exactly that way or just had a little inkling or a bit of a thought, we understand what it means to say, how is it possible? Why would God allow something bad to happen? The reason this problem of evil is such an obstacle, such an impediment for people to come to believe is because they look at it and say, if your God, this God of the Bible, this God of Scripture, is all-knowing, then he would see this bad thing coming, and he could stop it. And if he's all-good, he wouldn't allow the bad thing to happen at all. So either he doesn't know everything, or he's not all good. Either way, the God that you believe in can't be real. That is the problem of evil. And it keeps a lot of people from going further in their walk of faith. And it seems like a real airtight argument. Doesn't it sound like an airtight argument? Well, if he's all-knowing, he would know that this bad thing's about to happen. That car crash is about to happen. But if he's all good, why would he want the car crash to happen? So it can't be, it can't be real. People have lost years and generations to that kind of argument. And on the surface, it seems like an airtight argument. But the reality is, my brothers and sisters, that it's full of holes that kind of thought. Why? Because the objections to this God don't contend with a God that thinks like God. Isaiah says in Scripture, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As high as the heavens are from the earth, my thoughts and my ways are higher than your thoughts. St. Paul, actually, in a little bit of comedic, uh, you know, his little comedic way sometimes, he says, the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of the world. Think about that. The foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of the world. And today's first reading in 1 Samuel, even though you heard it in Spanish, says, not as man sees does God see? Because man sees the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. The Lord sees the things that we cannot see. So we return to this problem of evil. And the answer to the problem of evil is very plain to see. But we have to have eyes to see. We have to have our eyes open to see. What do we hear in the gospel? You heard the short version of it. The long version of it gives you the whole breakdown of everything that's happening around this particular scene. But we've heard it before. There's a man 
He's not just blind, he's born blind. Very specific point is made in Scripture to point out the fact that this isn't just somebody who lost his vision over time. I've got my, I just got my first pair of glasses recently. I'm not wearing them right now, but I just got them recently. And, you know, eventually these will get thicker and thicker and thicker until maybe I can't see at all. But it wasn't that kind of blindness. It was a blindness from birth. And that was very specifically said. The man himself in the long version of this gospel says, it's unheard of that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. Unheard of. Because perhaps in other ways of vision loss, maybe vision would return. Maybe it was caused by illness. Maybe it was caused by environmental uh, factors. But not this kind of blindness. This person has never seen. It's unheard of anyone born blind can see again. But then this amazing scene happens. The disciples ask Jesus, what did this guy do wrong that he was born blind? Or maybe it wasn't him. Maybe it was his parents. Who did something wrong so that this person was born blind? And Jesus' answer is the answer to the problem of evil. If our eyes can see. He says, neither. It's not his sin, nor the sin of his parents. But it's so God's power can be made manifest. Think about if the gospel would have ended right there. Think about if the disciples are saying, this guy's blind, he hasn't been able to see, he's a beggar, he can't take care of himself, people step over him on their way to work, and you're saying, Jesus, that the reason that he was born blind is so that God's glory could be made manifest? Imagine if the gospel start, ended right there. It would have been very difficult to accept. But Jesus continues, what does he do? He heals him. He heals him. Couldn't have healed somebody that wasn't blind. That miracle would not have been made manifest if that situation, if that hardship, if that difficulty was not being experienced. There would have been no healing. There would have been no miracle. And Jesus gives us that answer to the problem of evil whether or not we can see it, it's so that God's glory can be made manifest in the world. And look at the fruit that came from this. Again, in the longer version or in the Bible story itself, and you can read it from the Gospel of John, all of these things start happening. There's tremendous fruit. The parents of the man get hauled in before the Pharisees. And they get asked, is this really your son? Has he really been born blind? Can you verify this for us? And they are convicted by that experience. The disciples obviously convicted further evidence that they're walking along the Messiah. The man himself, you heard it, is convicted and he worships Jesus because he knows that he's been healed by God. And then the Pharisees, very interestingly, they're divided. Some believe, some don't. There's division among them. But nevertheless, there's transformation through that particular healing. It was a time of conviction, a time of what Lent is about. 
And I've mentioned it before, and you've heard it before, but this is a time of metanoia, a time of complete transformation, a time for us to see in a different way with our eyes and also with our hearts. Tonight, my brothers and sisters, we have an opportunity, as Father Albert already mentioned, to experience our own healing, to experience this healing through the reception of the anointing of the sick. Some of us have already received the sacrament of confession as well, but we all have that opportunity to receive the anointing of the sick tonight. We have a chance to be healed, but what for? What do we have a chance to be healed for? I heard a a great quotation on social media the other day, the more healing that happens on the physical and emotional level, the less space there is for the enemy to work. That's one reason, because God wants to make you whole. What's the other reason that we're healed? Well, we get it from the gospel as well. The blind man was sent to wash off the mud to the pool of Siloam, which means sent, means sent. We get to experience healing so that we can be equipped to go and produce the good fruits that you saw in the gospel as well. To live, as St. Paul says in the second reading, as children of light, which produce every kind of goodness and righteousness and truth. That's why, because night is approaching. Night is approaching. Every day is one step closer to it. Each of us, you and me, have this opportunity to be healed, and importantly, an opportunity to be sent.